there was this comic I saw earlier this week that made me chuckle. So it's and, and because this is radio, I will describe it because you obviously can't see it, although it'll be in the show notes. So um, it was a neighbor placing an angry phone call because uh, a dog was on its lawn uh, doing its business. But the, the joke is that it's a dog working in Excel, probably trying to figure out how to use power pivot. And he's on a conference call with coffee. And it's a pretty good visual gag. And of course, you know that he's actually doing real business because he has a laptop. And he's got glasses, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> he's got his little doggy briefcase on the left. So I, I, th- I thought that was pretty, I thought it was pretty uh, clever and pretty fun. So I bring that up to, be, just to ask, when... <laughs> I'm, I'm dying to know where this is going. No, well, one, it's, it's just very amusing. I, I have read, because most comics are dumb. Um... I wanted to know, growing up or now, did you enjoy comics? Not comic books, but comics. Yes. The Sunday comic strips in the newspaper, was that was a big thing for me. In the Orange County Register or the the Los Angeles? County Register. Or in the Los Angeles Times. No, we were an Orange County Register household. Oh, yeah, because you wanted the best Ducks coverage you could get. I I have no idea if they had a sports page or not. Of of course they did. What what do you think the Orange County Register was? I thought it was basically a penny saver. Um, also, terms people don't know what what that is. Uh, uh, no, I, I I joke. The Orange County Register is fine, um, or was fine. It's probably owned by like Sinclair Media or one of those mega corps now. But whatever. Uh, but yeah. So, w- which comics did you like? I knew that was going to be the next question. I'm trying to remember what were my what my favorite ones were. I mean, I know Charlie Brown was on the list. Um, oh, what man? What else did I like? There was like, oh, Garfield, that was a big hmm. one. Hmm. Um, Dilbert, yeah, that was Ooh. one. D- yeah, can I can I ask I think, a follow up question with that? Sure. Does it bother you that? And actually, this is this is more a general. Maybe this conversation is going to go differently than I thought. Does it bother you that he's kind of like this weird Trump crazy conservative? Like, do do you ever find that? Old Wait, media. who is? Uh, not, is it is it Scott Adams, the guy who does Dilbert? He's he's a huge Trump conservative. Uh, really? Yeah. So I that's that's actually yeah that's a question I have for you. Um, I googled Scott Adams and the very because you know how Twitter and Google have the partnership where it shows their tweets in line, and then it just has a bunch of him just talking about nonsense. Anyway, does it bother you when or how? How do I phrase this? For media and like things that you already liked, does it bother you when you find out that the person either maybe at the time it was kind of a bad person or now their like opinions and like politics have changed to where you can't really respect them? Like, does that ruin the work for you? Yes, it does. And the the, the example of, um, of that for me is Peyton Manning, where I always I enjoyed when oh, he played no, football. Don't, don't tell me. Wait. Oh, oh, is, oh yeah. Is he a scumbag? Yeah. No. What about his brother? Is Eli still cool? That I don't know. Don't don't look into it. Um, What's uh, now? I have to. I don't want to Google this. Why is Pete, Why should I not like uh, he, him? He's 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 played golf with him a number of times. He's he's a big supporter. Like um, actively still. Like oh, yeah. if you go to like I don't know. Oh yeah, no. This is like when he's been president. Yeah. God damn it. Um, and, and again, like I, I, I'm sure we've called this out on the show before, but th- I mean, there is really an important differentiation to make here. This is not. This is not me being upset at Peyton Manning because he is hanging out with a Republican. 
it's but not he's about not a, yeah it's not about the 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 policy beliefs it's it's everything else around trump and that's yes. you know that we've we've discussed that too where i just you know i i i think when we talked about the tax stuff i just i don't see how you can separate the politics from everything else around him well because that's that's the thing and that's one thing that i think a lot of people struggle with or they don't they sorry they struggle with and shouldn't struggle with which is if you like think about it if you remove all of the 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 trumpiness like and and i know it's really hard to do and you and people shouldn't but he's just kind of like a like just his policies are just kind of like fairly middle of the road to some in certain aspects like hard right traditional conservatism and like nationalistic stuff like there is another like there are several other people where like people probably wouldn't have as big of a problem with them being president from a strictly policy perspective but it's just like what an absolute garbage fire of a shitty person he is that makes it really difficult to to separate that especially with this whole we're not gonna get into it but like the the john kelly rob porter stuff and just like this and oh, he need to, he. Oh, we're not getting into it. But he did the thing where he said, like, he went on, like a whole Twitter thing because he was probably trying to distract people from something. Where he was like, oh, like this the Me Too movement. Uh, why isn't anybody believing the men? Or like some sh- like some awful things like that. And you just you it rem- it just reminds you of this person who has done so much awful stuff and on tape has been uh, uh, caught or or cited as. Uh, advocating for sexual assault is president and everybody everybody's already forgotten about that and everybody's kind of totally cool with it it's really challenging right so comics yes <laughs> mm-hmm. garfield <laughs> he's not a scumbag too is he yeah garfield is a birther yeah god damn <laughs> we can't use this Yes, uh, we can. <laughs> yeah, no, we're moving, moving right along. No, we're not. Well, okay, we're going back. To, you're not going to edit it out, but we're going to go back to the original question because because I want to know. Okay, so Garfield. Okay, he he likes lasagna. He's a lazy cat. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He and peanuts. Um. What so else? The, 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 those are those are the three that I can think of. I mean, if if you rattled off some other popular comics of the day, I maybe that'll ring a bell. Oh, um, um uh, Dennis the Menace. How 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 could I forget him? Hmm. I never experienced that as a because I remember there was a cartoon that came on Channel Nine before school, yeah, right. but I, I never experienced the uh, illustrated the comic. Version. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I was into I was into all things Dennis the Menace. I, I liked the comic. I loved the TV show. I I specifically woke up early so that I could watch the TV show in the morning. <laughs> um, yes, kids. This this was the days before DVRs. Yeah, I think that uh, came on either before or after Bananas and Pajamas on KCAL nine. That the LA's that is independent news source that's now owned by CBS. That all that all checks out. Um, <laughs> and and then I liked the they did a live action movie when we, I guess this must have been when we were when we were in elementary school. And and it, it, it can was, go sideways with that. It, it was, was good. good. Well, I mean, <laughs> the caveat is that I probably haven't seen it in you know twenty to. 23 years but um at the time i thought it was good <laughs> the movie has walter Matthau in it okay it does yeah he yeah 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 mischievous dennis mitchell makes the life of neighbor george wilson miserable with his overactive energy and inadvertent troublemaking right uh goodness <laughs> box office 11 uh sorry uh 117 million oh geez oh 
<clears throat> oh, okay. So, so, so what about you? It has a 22% Rotten Tomato score. So there's no accounting for taste when you're nine. <laughs> <clears throat> um, one thing you left out, like uh, Calvin and Hobbes was a, a big one for me. I know that was, uh, mm. it wasn't really adult, but I think it was on the more adult Ma- mature scale side, of humor. Perhaps. Yeah, but, but mature sounds weird. Actually, adult sounds weird too, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was an adult comic that came in the LA Times. Um. Yeah, but I, I really liked. I enjoyed Snoopy and Peanuts, and and also I I appreciate or I I, I uh, appreciate the distinction that you went with Charlie Brown, whereas I more identify Peanuts as being a Snoopy centric comic, and I I like that people can interpret that differently. I so that that's to, that's totally fair. I think I Charlie Brown and Snoopy are definitely one A one B in that comic. Um, and this perhaps is an unpopular opinion, but. I don't really care about the rest of the peanuts. But you wait, so you're including Snoopy that you uh, you do I, or do not I, like Snoopy? I, oh, I love Snoopy. That's what I'm saying. Like Charlie Brown and, and Snoopy are kind of you know one A and one B as, as you yeah, would say. Yeah, I think I think and it's hmm, that's tricky. I just the the rest of the characters don't do much for me. But a lot of them, their interaction with the other two, like like the way that um, who's uh, who's the mean one or who, who's the one with the football? Lucy. Yeah. Lucy, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's her interaction with um uh, in her uh less than uh, sunny disposition that um makes a lot of the comedy work. But yeah, I I <clears throat> I really do appreciate uh peanuts as a thing and if you haven't already been or anybody who lives in the Bay Area or is traveling to the wonderful Northern California region, um going to the Charles Schultz Museum in uh Santa Rosa is fantastic. I I think mm, I don't think that's there anymore. It is. It is. It absolutely is. I thought it. I no, thought it, it was had... safe from the fire. It was. Yes. Okay. It was Nicole closed so... due to air quality and a few other things for a while. But no, it's still totally there. So that's that's what was so confusing in the days that the fire was happening is there was so much misreporting about what had been damaged or destroyed. And I I, I had sworn that that was something that had been destroyed, but I'm glad to hear it was not. Actually, I'm going to triple check, but I'm ninety percent certain. Uh, yeah, no, it's still totally there. Fantastic. Okay. Good. Um, and then I will real quick, because I do have this in my, I have a little folder in Dropbox of just my favorite things ever. Uh, let me send over a picture. This is my favorite uh, Peanuts comic strip, because it speaks to one of the other things I, man, Slack is just crawling. Um, I very much enjoy crossword puzzles. And this is actually, they have like a life-size thing in the garden at the Charles Schultz Museum, where it's a uh, four-panel comic strip of Peanuts, where it's him uh, talking to Woodstock, uh, him being Snoopy, and says, I need a five-letter word that means integrity. And of course, Woodstock can't speak, so it's just like little chicken scratch, and he, <laughs> he copies it verbatim into the thing, and it's just it's it's really good. It's like that's the kind of humor you just don't get anymore. We don't really get much of any humor anymore. Oh uh, no, no, we don't, because all because and that's uh, we'll, we'll we'll move off this, but like so much of the humor these days is tied to the current shambles that is the United States and our president, where it's it, uh, there's very little. I, I don't know. Humor's tough to come by. It is indeed. Anyway, <laughs> I will put in the show notes that I, I was uh, I was ninety five percent certain you would use the phrase "theater of the mind" uh, in this segment, and you didn't. Yeah, that bumped me out. Carlos, I'm insulted that you would ever insinuate that I would repeatedly use the same phrase throughout either a single episode of this program or over the course of multiple episodes. That does not sound like something I would do. 
I would I would never I would never lean into something like that. <laughs> okay. Um I was <laughs> I was gonna say I think we have a legitimate shot at being under an hour this week, but I don't think so anymore because uh then we started talking about Dilbert and Peyton Manning. Yeah, things are things are not uh things are not trending <laughs> in, in in favor of a sub one hour episode. No, it's actually it's actually good because I don't think there's a lot of a lot of stuff. So let, let's let's jump right into follow up. Um, you have a conf- uh, an apology to make or something, or you want to uh, clarify or redact some things that you feel might have been inaccurate from last week's episode about the uh... <laughs> every, everything I said about the SpaceX was uh, it really launch? No, no, because I didn't do I any mean, research. So I so I, I I mostly got the return of two of the boosters successfully correct, as well as the failed landing of the center core booster that that all that all i got right um the part with the car and the remaining portion of the rocket in space i (laughs) i think kind of miserably uh explained and i I, i'm not going to go into a ton of detail instead we're gonna put a link in the notes that explains this far better than i can but essentially the the car was never meant to go in near orbit around Mars. Instead, it's actually sort of in orbit around the sun and will occasionally, or the hope anyway, was that it would occasionally pass close to Mars. And the same holds true to the um, the rocket, which it's attached to. It, it's still attached to that rocket, and that rocket also, of course, is then orbiting around the sun, not on a mission to go into a near orbit around mars which is i'm pretty sure is what i explained so um yeah i i'll I'll stick to technology going forward (laughs) um how long is that arrangement with because you you had suggested that i think the car was supposed to eventually like run into something or just float out into space so how long is the orbit supposed to Based off your revised research, how long is it supposed to exist in space intentionally? So I think actually that part I also might have gotten right last week, which there was something to the effect of it will pass close to Earth again in something like 11 years. Now, I don't I don't know if that means that it's going to take 11 years for it to actually circle the sun or if it's just going to take 11 years for its orbit to come close enough to earth again i i don't don't know the exact mechanics of that um and i also i don't know and i don't think anybody knows how long it's going to last in space because i mean i think the challenge is that if (laughs) it could just get hit by any number of space debris and it it, it can get hit by an amazon delivery vehicle (laughs) perhaps once blue origin catches up exactly yeah Okay, well, I appreciate the I and the listener uh, appreciate the uh, the clarification. Yeah. All right. So up next, um, still working on a segment title, but apparently this is we're just going to rename and reboot this entire program, and we're just going to talk about sparkling water all the time. I think the the proposed one you have here in the notes is pretty good. Can I can I say it, or is this is this not ready for public? Oh no, you can, but I don't. I just don't think it without the trademark symbol. I don't think it. Uh, it. But go for it still or sparkling i think that's 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 really good yeah we'll 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 see so uh real quick order has been restored at target just people tracking it uh simply balanced sparkling water is back on the shelves for its very reasonable price of 2.99 for eight 12 ounce cans but also the much bigger news is that 
because sparkling water and chasing after the millennial audience of uh, beverage drinkers has been such a hot commodity, uh, Pepsi is uh, dipping its toes into the sparkling water market, reports the failing New York Times. So uh, Julie Cresswell has a story that Pepsi is apparently going to make uh, a, ser- a, a a lineup of uh, flavored fizzy water that is named, uh, the brand name is Bubbly. Misspelled, of course, because apparently like the whole lift and flicker naming convention applies to the real world too. So things can't be spelled properly. There's there's about 10 different things that I find troubling in this short little paragraph I want to read from this uh, failing New York Times article, uh, which is right in the introduction. On Thursday, PepsiCo is introducing Bubbly, a new brand of sparkling water that comes in eight flavors, including apple, strawberry, and mango. And this is where we really start to go sideways. In brightly colored cans with lowercase lettering and greetings on the pull tabs. And then they list two examples, which are, hey, you, and you is just the the letter U with with an exclamation mark, and yo, Y-O, again, with an exclamation mark. Mm -hmm. So, so much to unpack there, but the... So so I don't understand what pull tabs are. Is this No, no, it means is, the, is that just a weird way of describing what like a regular just can? Yeah, it's a little tab thingy oh, that okay. that punctures the thing. Okay, I guess I just yeah, that's, that's I haven't really seen it described that way. Yeah, pull but, tab makes it sound like like a 3M command strip or something. Yeah, right. Um <laughs> and then yeah, the are we are we just never going to move past the like cutesy use of lowercase lettering and eliminating letters and words is that we does that are we just stuck with that forever like i thought that was a web 2.0 thing that would eventually sort of pass but it apparently not i think we actually have so that that, that was my joke with Flickr. but i mean i think on the web for the most part i mean if, if you actually think about like twitter used to like when it originally launched was twttr so like i think most of that ever since there have been more um uh tlds uh, released i think that's less of a thing because like i don't actually don't think the name bubbly is that bad and i think they probably couldn't have na- like maybe either it was too generic already and they couldn't trademark it because bubbly is a um generic term for uh sparkling wines so i think maybe that's it but i think like i think bubbly is a cool name but if you have to spell it b-u-b-l-y like where people might confuse it for like michael Bublé. michael Bublé's own beverage imported from Canada. Like oh, see, I think that, that's that, see that I would support. Oh yeah, it's all it's all ginger ale and it's it's uh, the official drink of the Edmonton Oilers. Wow, very very good. Again, I'm prepping. I'm, I'm I I need <laughs> uh, Canada is my backup plan. <laughs> oh okay, yeah, no, no, good. Did we talk about the thing where you didn't believe? Uh, <laughs> you sent me a tweet about that uh, Tim Cook had sent, and it was it was translated into French. Or it was in both English and French, and then I said he's trying to pander to the Quebecois, and you thought that was a made-up term. <laughs> I did. It was. It was not a not a term I I had been familiar with previously. Oh goodness. So anyway, uh, uh, boobly sparkling water because there's no there's no double B's in it. Right. Um, this this is the hot like this this makes sense like I, I sparkling water is the the smartphone of like cons- like of beverages. So I think they all have to be here, and like they're obviously like people are getting wise that maybe they shouldn't be drinking thirty grams of sugar six times a day. So 
like I, I can't fault them. I just think like the insanely hard charging millennial focused approach is kind of weird. Like that's that's the whole. Jeez, we've been talking about Diet Coke for four weeks straight. Um, I really hope the check is in the mail, but like <laughs> it's and also ugh, Apple. Like I like. Oh, sorry, not Apple computers. Apple the flavor that so that was the the flavors are the tr- the troublesome part. That that was right. That so that the last bit of that paragraph that I read that is troubling or the the flavors that it listed. I mean, st- strawberry. I I suppose would might be okay, but um, yeah, I I don't know. Like grapefruit's good. Like uh, even though Lacroix calls it pomplemousse, which is very pretentious. Mm-hmm. Um, but grapefruit uh, sparkling water is not bad. Um, a good strawberry or like cherry is is good. The one thing I don't understand uh to uh, with Lacroix is and and if you look at the the product image that leads the article, uh, Lacroix does have what's called Lacroix Pure, which is just like plain sparkling water. Which I don't know why I can't get I can't get behind. I do enjoy uh, plain sparkling water, but I don't think I I feel like Lacroix is the wrong people to buy it from. Yeah, that's not that's not what you come to Lacroix for. Yeah, you, you get I've... you get that from Trader Joe's. Right, exactly. Um. I've I've had that I've had pure before and it's yeah it's 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 not what you're looking for in Lacroix. No. Uh, can I pivot this or can I can I change this real quick? <laughs> Please. Um, on the sidebar of of the New York Times website, there was also and this reminded me of something that I don't think we ever talked about. Did you see the whole controversy? Well, and it became a controversy. I think I think this was actually said in earnest. Um, <laughs> the title is "Lady Doritos Pepsi Wants a Do Over." Where it was either Frito Lay or Pepsi or somebody said that uh, they need to make specialized uh, snacks uh, and and uh, junk food for women. Oh, I d- I briefly did see something about this. Oh my god, it was so dumb. Like I yeah, I, yeah. I I don't know if it uh, if it's in here, but I will briefly pair. It. Like it was, it was something like where like a, it was a fee- in in the company. I think it was Frito Lay. Like their CEO was who was a woman was like our market research says that women want something that they can snack on discreetly or like that the regular potato chips make too much of a crunch to like. It was so dumb. How I, I assume these companies are so tightly guarded and have just such, um, like massive budgets for PR and marketing because like isn't that like that is mostly what. Uh, like top tier snack food is it's mostly marketed just cornstarch right so like how does that how does this slip by it, well i mean that's talk about recurring themes on this show that's that's another which is how often it seems that a marketing campaign or a slogan or, or something will come out of a company or just a general idea will come out of a company that you just know had to have gone through at least eight levels of review mm-hmm. and all eight of those people ultimately decided, yeah, this is a great idea. People are going to love this. It's the number of times that happens is crazy. Yeah. Like in, in the whole problem, like in the, in this, like it, it is dumb, but it's like, it's weird just cause like there is legitimate, like weird market discrimination, uh, like for certain like gendered products. Like, I mean, there's a whole, it's like, I mean, if you've ever like looked up or read about the pink tax where there's like just certain weird goods that are uh, targeted at female consumers that are just like arbitrarily more expensive because they may come in like uh gendered packaging it's like there's some there's some weird stuff going on i think that maybe this is my million dollar idea i think companies i, I guess this would live in their marketing department but yeah pr- probably that would be the best place for this is you hire someone p- perhaps someone like yourself mm-hmm. that does not have a, a marketing background 
and you just sort of serve as like kind of like a the checks and balance system where you know you some all these marketing people get really excited about this idea and then they you know they run it by you someone who's kind of outside that marketing bubble and then you just go no i mean that's 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 a terrible idea people are going to be outraged by this there's actually a good episode of you look nice today about that where um I forget if it was Jonathan Colton or if it was uh, Adam Lascore that talks about uh, just no consulting. Just, you get paid to tell people, just, no, don't do that. I mean, I, there's there's value there. No, there or, is. Or just, or like more specifically, I think there's a lot of value in having a perspective outside the area of expertise that's being discussed. Well, sure, and and that's we're not gonna. Uh, uh, Man, we are we we cannot stay on topic today, but that is one of the things about like the whole push for uh, both gender and racial diversity in technology, which is there's so much where it's just like if you had any if you if you if you made any effort for inclusion and trying to get different opinions that weren't just a bunch of people like you, you would avoid so many weird controversies where just like it's just like a, a, a bunch of people. I'm not gonna say like a, a certain stereotype or like gender or, or ethnicity, but like just like a bu- like a group of people where they all think exactly the same, like there's not going to be a dissenting opinion in that group that can say, no, this is stupid, or this is going to make us look really bad. Right. And I, I for a mere $105,000 a year, I will be that. <laughs> that wants. And I, I assume you would too, or I, I think you, you, you know, you can do, you, ooh, hold on. Well, do you, do you know any technology people? Like, do you know any coders? I, I know a couple. Yeah, we can let's let's make like a, a gig economy, like Uber, but for helping no, not, no not consultants. Huh. Um, yeah, all you have to do is text us your idea, and we just reply uh, thumbs up or uh, like poop emoji or something. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to literally cut all this out so that you know people don't people don't steal this this million dollar idea. <laughs> and the the company would just be called SMDH. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Actually, huh, should you cut this out? This is a, this is a legitimate <laughs> company. Hold on, wait. Uh, get get uh, uh, Greylock Ventures on the phone. <laughs> uh, are they? I'm trying to think. Are they one of the ones that are mired in scandal right now? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's hard <laughs> to keep track. To yeah. Jeez, mm. uh, what were we talking? Uh, sparkling. It's not going to be an hour. Mm-mm so pepsi is making sparkling water yeah and it's it's uh poorly branded but hey maybe we'll get used to it because i don't know i didn't think i didn't think pop chips were going to be a thing but then pop chips are great i'm pop yeah pop chips are great number one number two oh, I, actually well hold on oh ooh, i would have given a big old thumbs down to the uh star wars pop chips integration yeah that that was very not successful yeah I, yeah well we did that whatever it's that you can always count on a uh chip or other snack type food with a big movie tie-in that that, that always happens mm-hmm. um but note number two I, I i am very interested in trying the bubbly although given that it's coming in cans I'm I'm concerned that you're not going to be able to buy them. I guess the Diet Cokes came in cans too, and you, Walgreens had those for sale individually. I'm like finding I don't, I don't more, want to more get... I'm finding more and more places that are that are selling loose Lacroix as well. Okay, yeah, mm. that 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 uh, like uh, two co- like a coffee shop in Berkeley and the coffee shop I go uh, to commonly in Marin sells uh, Lacroix by the can. 
for a ridiculous price. It's like it's like a dollar nine for a single can. Watch well, it. It's it's well, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's kind of not. Yeah, it actually turns out Lucifer Croix is actually the name of my uh, my new band too. We'll we'll put in some laughter there. No, I'm I'm, I'm giving that what it deserves. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Yeah, Lacroix doesn't do sponsorships, do they? I don't. Not that I've heard. I don't think they really need to. They they should. Whenever they start going on the decline, they should sponsor like a Sugar Ray comeback tour. Oh yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me tap back into my notes. Okay. Um, <laughs> getting onto hard hitting news. Uh, Waymo <laughs> settled its lawsuit with Uber for two hundred. Yeah, there's no segue for that. Uh, for two hundred forty-five million dollars. Uh, with Uber. Um, and I don't think we need to talk too much about this, but I th- I do find it interesting and i do like or it's it's somewhat promising the uh, conciliatory approach that the um current uber ceo dara kazuswahi uh formerly of expedia um is taking with the company because like they have to salvage value they can't even though this is not like a consumer facing issue like they they had to settle right yeah i i i think there's the obvious financial reasons why it would make sense to settle a case like this. I mean, you see that all the time, but I, you're, I think, 100% right where it goes far beyond that. And, and perhaps maybe that isn't even the biggest consideration, but rather it's a, it's a PR thing. Um, and I, I think Uber, Uber would be very wise to stay out of as much controversy as it possibly could, whether it's public facing or not, because everything it's done over the last few years has really added up. And so the, Mm -hmm. again, the more they could kind of eliminate from that, the, the better. So, I mean, yeah, this, I think this just makes all the, all the sense in the world. I think maybe they're erasing the, the cactus thing a little bit, very slowly because it's also, well, good books. I'm not quite quite ready to, no, no, no. I'm I'm saying 3% is gone. Okay. Um, because like also, um, in the uh, the was it the, was it the EU or was it the UK specifically? Where uh, the, the, like, U, the, U, the UK specifically? Yeah. So even or this, it might have actually maybe London specifically. Yeah, like the CEO even said, like you know what, like this company has done a lot of wrong, and we're going to try to fix that, and we're going to work within the system to try to provide the best experience for both the drivers for as long as they continue to be part of the platform, um, and and the end consumer. So like. Yeah, the guy's saying the right things. I know, like, there's so much about the company that is toxic in, in the internal politics and, and workplace stuff is challenging. And, and, of course, like, we don't have, like, you only, you know, like, the, the public's not going to have access to that or understand that for quite a while to see if things change. But I don't know. It's It seems it seems promising. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And then with the Waymo thing, the only thing that I think is kind of like additionally that's kind of interesting about that is that um, it Waymo now also has because this well correct me if I'm wrong wasn't the settlement issued in uh, private Uber stock? Yes, that's right. So they now have an interest in Uber succeeding to a degree, right? Which implies kind of that there will probably be maybe. It, there's like technology licensing and there's stuff like that. I like I have no idea. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really clear on that on that part of the settlement. Well, I, like as part of the settlement, they said that they will, they agree to not use any of the stolen intellectual property. But since um, Waymo has a vested interest in Uber succeeding, uh, there might be kind of a symbiotic relationship to be worked out there for uh, some type of technological agreement. Because Uber, of course, their ultimate drive is no, no pun intended. They want, <laughs> um, I mean, they want humans out of that part of the equation sooner rather than later so yeah i guess i guess what i mean what i meant is that i'm just i'm not really clear on like the mechanics of how that's exactly going to work sure but we'll see yeah and then real quick uh vlc uh the uh, perennially free and <laughs> and uh, infinitely useful um media player for uh windows os 10 and something called linux um yeah we're gonna, we're gonna email from the linux people uh has hit version 3.0 it's pretty good i i cannot tell you the last time that i used vlc hmm i have i certainly did in the past but but not not in a long long time yeah i mean it's it, for, for anybody who doesn't use it and they just use QuickTime all the time and because they only encounter epic 4 video like it's it's the jack of all trades uh media player uh that supports all those weird esoteric formats that you might have from stuff that fell off a truck or <laughs> other things right you know like sure. you have a bunch of you have a bunch of windows media video from windows movie maker back in 2002 on when you were <laughs> working on your gateway 2000 uh pentium 3 computer so um oh, yeah pentium 3 man that's hmm, something i haven't thought about in a long time remember how big of a deal the pentium 4 was i do because it had hyper threading yeah and and the <laughs> Oh, I think I I swear to God I have this saved somewhere. But like, it's just like remember the mega the gigahertz race? Oh, first it, was the, the megahertz race. Gonna, I was going to ask: is it was was the was the first to a, a gigahertz? Was that a Pentium three or was that a Pentium? No, thing? the Pentium three I think maxed out at five hundred and fifty megahertz. Okay, um, yeah. I remember our gateway had the four hundred fifty megahertz because we were being uh, responsible people. Um, and then, yeah, I think the Pentium 4 was the first one to uh, 1 gigahertz and then also 2 gigahertz. And there was a time when AMD was neck and neck for the, uh, with them for a while. And they had, I think it was called like the Athlon processor. Yep. Um, God, I'm old. Um, okay, we're moving on. Just, just sad. I remember like every week you'd look at the, you know, the Best Buy flyer and it, a computer would be coming out that was incrementally faster than the computer from the week before. And it was like, just it crept up slowly and slowly. But if you had the e-machines, it was never obsolete. So you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> That's right. <sighs> let's, let's get on to, let's get on to the main topics. Let's do it. All right. This is actually huge news. So like what I want to talk about first, which is that um, uh, the Daily has made a deal. Let me, let me load up the press release. They have struck a deal with uh, American Public Media, which is the distributor and uh, creator of Marketplace, one of my favorite public radio programs, um, to distribute on the traditional radio uh, half-hour episodes of The Daily, um, which is really interesting in a lot of ways. Um, so first, there's there, so that in itself is interesting, and this will begin in April. Uh, but there's a couple of quick things that I think are interesting off the bat, which is in, in the press release, you got uh, a few bits of listener data that were previously probably private information, which is that um, 
The Daily reaches an audience of 4 million unique listeners four, four every month. Four, yes. Which is... I know the show like does well, and I, and, and I listen to it every day, and I think it's, it's really, really valuable for a lot of reasons. It, uh, in addition to just, like, I, I find Michael Barbaro interesting and a likable person. But, like, just the reporting, getting access to... Because, like, it's... We've we've talked about it at length, but it's it's a it's a remarkable program in the sense that it's not just like oh let's have the reporter talk about what they wrote when you could have just read an article like you get more than that and you get like a context and perspective and details that you otherwise wouldn't that helps you understand the news in a very interesting way. But um, like the daily is a really good program and and I'm fascinated that it has reached that wide of an audience. I would have thought maybe it had. A half a million listeners, yeah. Like, and I have no, I, I have right. no basis for why that is, but like, it's just like a, like I maybe I just don't think podcasting is that big. I have no idea. My so my basis was that whenever listener data like this has has come out of other podcasts that I listen to, the numbers are always way smaller than I thought they were going to be. And whereas <laughs> this this was completely the opposite. Yeah, I think because I think like even the talk show or ATP, like I think one of them leaked or, or like released their listenership and like it was like 50 or 90,000 people which I think is a yeah, lot right. for kind of a, a, a very niche or it's actually not that niche but like kind of a small audience type of thing where I thought like okay something that's much more mainstream like half a million that's a lot of people right so overall over the past year what was it like four uh, what was the total number of downloads over the past year or something like that there was something. Ah, oh, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's that's that that's crazy. So I so I totally missed the 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 lead here when I when we were talking about this earlier. I this is not just redistributing the daily as we know it. This Correct. is a separate version of it, kind of. So it's uh it's going to be a separately created evening edition of the daily that kind of repackages one to two stories from the main program because that's one of the things that i was worried about when i didn't because i was just uh when i i you sent me this over to me and i didn't i'd actually read the article at the time which is i was like one of the things about the daily and the podcast format which is something that jody in a tweet that you can you can link to uh brought up is that like the podcast format brings some freedom in us in and jody cited that you don't have to worry about ratings and not that i think you have to worry about ratings with this arrangement specifically just because I mean, it's public radio, but um, like it's it's not like the cutthroat. It's it's not a must see TV Thursday or something. But the podcast, on top of that, also they have the latitude to adjust the length of the program based off of the type of content that they're doing. So, if there's a story that requires the show being forty minutes long, even though the daily they've generally and especially in interviews, uh, Mike and a few other, a few of the producers have said they generally aim for it to be twenty to twenty-five minutes every day because they feel that's kind of the sweet spot of uh, brevity and conciseness, um, and, and and enough and being long enough to actually tell the story. But um, sometimes they do go long if they have something that's interesting and they think will hold the audience's attention for that long. And I worry that this rebroadcast or repackaging deal may affect that because there's now a consideration that like, sure, we're going to, we can make the podcast, whatever we want, 
but we're ultimately we also kind of want to make sure that what we create is workable in this other format that is more rigid yeah the the, the this my understanding of this earlier <laughs> where i thought it was just a copy and paste off of the podcast feed i was like yeah okay this is cool it'll reach it'll reach more people now but yeah this is this is something totally different and yeah i think there's a there's a million questions about how that's going to work and here's the deal like i like i trust like the like again the daily has been so good and has like just over delivered on the promise of just like a, a an informative daily news show where like i i don't i don't really worry um i know they'll do like the right thing and, the, and they'll continue to make awesome radio even though like i know it's a podcast but you'd still kind of refer to it as radio um like i'm sure they're gonna do the right thing but i think this is interesting and i do think as it becomes something that's maybe more structured and has obligations outside of the walls of the gray lady um I don't know. I think I think that might, uh, it, like in the back of somebody's mind, um, affect what the output is slightly. Um, but beyond that, um, yeah, I, I don't know. G- good for them. And APM is a is a great distributor, and they they make quality content. Um, like again, marketplace is fantastic, and I I think a greater a larger audience for the daily beyond like even though I don't think there's a ton of friction for downloading podcasts, there is still like that hurdle that i think maybe a lot of people who could benefit from listening to this uh maybe aren't um suited for yet like i th- I, th- I the this reaching a wider audience is fantastic yeah i 100 percent agree with that as well yeah um related news um for the first time ever uh it, last year in 2017 uh the new york times uh surpassed one billion dollars in uh subscription the, revenue the, the, the failing new york times mm-hmm. i want that tote bag <laughs> uh, why would i know they can't make it but they, they they really should um but yeah that's pretty good it's it's one of, it's one of those things that feels obvious in retrospect but I mean, prior to this whole era that we're in now, you would have never guessed. Well, and that's the thing that is kind of like there's a bit of melancholy around that uh, around that figure is that you're like, oh, like a lot of this is funded by uh, like a population that's kind of like, oh, shit, I now have to like I feel this uh, urge and obligation to fund this company or like this this institution has a check on the executive branch that should be provided by one of the other branches of government. So it's weird in that regard, but also the New York times does great reporting and, and we need what the independent free press does. So life is weird sometimes. Hmm. Understatement of the, the millennial. Okay. <laughs> you got anything else with this part? Uh, I do not. Okay. Uh, this one's actually probably gonna be pretty brief, but this is something that we had in the in the show notes last week, but didn't get to. Um, the Omni Group that makes OmniFocus, which is uh the task manager that we both use, um, laid out their roadmap uh for 2018, and one of the things that's on it is that OmniFocus three is coming soon ish, and it encompasses a few things, which is first. Um, big updates to the iOS and Mac application, which include a lot of um, 
enhancements, some evolution to the software, and also some rethinking of some of the older assumptions, which I actually, uh, to how the software works, which I actually think are probably going to be for the better. Um, OmniFocus kind of came out of the whole like David Allen getting things done style movement. And there's a lot of cruft or like older ideas that maybe don't translate that well anymore. And they're doing kind of the bold move of abandoning some of those, which I think are probably, that's probably a smart move. Like, let me ask, do you use, uh, do you, uh, I, I don't want to sound, sound patronizing, but do you understand what a context is? No, I, I, <clears throat> I will, I will fully admit that I, much like when we had this conversation, when I first started using OmniFocus, I still only use maybe a quarter of its functionality, maybe a third, if I'm being generous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like a context, like, so the whole point of getting things done, like if, if you haven't read the book or, and for the love of God, please don't, cause it's not a very good book. <laughs> um, or it's not a very interesting book. It's, it's a book that could be eight pages, but for some reason it's 400. Um, David Allen has a couple things like one, you have the inbox of where you can just, you just you get the stuff out of your brain and then you can, you can parse through it and sort it later. And then you have, you have projects that have sub items and all that kind of stuff. And you, you find ways to organize your thoughts. But one of those things is that you can have the concept of contexts where you can say that like the, this has a context of grocery store, or this is a context of my office or something where you can say where instead of just viewing your to-do list or your projects as like a group of projects, you can say that I have like I have a home improvement project, I have a work project, and I have a personal project. And some of the to-do list items on those uh, inside those projects uh, all involve going to Home Depot, where you can create a context called Home Depot, where you can then look at your items under context, so you can see things that uh, may span different projects and uh, see them all at once, so that you can kind of compress what you're doing and more smartly work which is the idea but as as that long explanation suggests that's also that's super complicated so what the omni group is doing is they are getting rid of the idea of context because most people don't understand what it is and it's also hard um and they're just replacing that feature with something that makes a lot more sense which is the ability to tag uh to do list items which I am super excited for, mainly because they have like one kind of key example, which is something that I have wanted forever and I have always, I have struggled with, and I think I've talked about multiple times on the show, which is that I frequently just kind of want a like a way to just organize a bunch of stuff I want to do today, and it feels wrong to assign those things like arbitrary due dates because it kind of cheapens and messes with your brain as to what's actually like receives a due date. So the fact that you can now tag items and then I can just like give a whole bunch of things like the today tag and then look at that and then I can reorder that list independent of the projects is actually going to be super, super fun and, and really useful. That That is incredibly smart. I, I struggle with exactly the same thing where I do try to only assign due dates to things that really are truly due by that date because to, to steal your phrase, it really does cheapen due dates if you sort of just use those too broadly and mm -hmm. so yeah the the use case that you just outlined is is i think the best example of that and tagging seems like a really really cool solution to that to that particular problem yeah 
So it's going to be good. Um, so I'm really, really excited for this. Um, if you want, you, they've, um, I think I put a link to this in, in Slack earlier, but there's uh, on the page about kind of like their whole um, preview of the year ahead. There is a link to the iOS uh, test flight beta. So if you do want to, if you're going to live on the edge and want to beta test this, um, that is something that maybe you want to sign up for sooner rather than later. But yeah, I think this could be really good because um, over the past year, I've thought a couple of times of eh, OmniFocus hasn't been updated in a while. Is it still right for me? And the main problem I've always tried to solve, because like OmniFocus, I, I I like, and even though it's a complicated program, it works really well for almost everything. But it's that today, like of like the agenda I wanted, of like the stuff I want to do today has always been like for for the past decade that I've been using it is always been really problematic and this seems like the first time that that's going to be solved because i don't ever i don't ever want to use two to-do list applications like that just seems dumb like i don't want to think of oh does this go in reminders does this go in things does this go in omnifocus like no I, I don't want that so this seems like that solves that issue and i'm i'm very excited now i mean not to derail from the main topic here but that is an, another interesting idea you just brought up which is sort of that that fear of software that you use and rely on being abandoned mm-hmm that's 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 a real thing. Well, no, and that's and that's the thing where oh, oh man, this is not gonna be an hour episode. <laughs> God damn it! Um, is that that is why the iOS App Store ninety nine cent bullshit economy is really troubling to me because OmniFocus is I like I think remember like when I was when you were asking me about to do list software and stuff like that like you were reasonably. Uh, skeptical and cautious about it because you're like this is a lot of money because it totally is like the omni like omni applications which are made by a very very good software developer that has a fantastic track record and supports their software for a very long time and you're now even a convert with omni outliner even though you have your qualms about the resource browser D- just get into your just get into your head uh, command w command o it'll be fine be fine um like they're a very good developer that I want to support and they make software that I know they're not going to abandon. Eventually they may think that, okay, this application doesn't have an audience anymore. And after we had supported it for a very long time, we, we're just, we're going to retire it, whatever they they've done that very rarely, but like there are developers like Omni and panic and Microsoft, like outlook's not, or sorry, office is going away. Um, there are applications like that, that are fair, like relative to their peers, maybe more costly, but you know are still going to exist. So I have trouble where in this whole and this is this is what bugs me about like the whole multi-pad lifestyle and the pretending the iPad is a computer thing is like there's there are a bunch of apps that like because like the friction of iOS is low to installing and trying new apps, people will also like it's, they will switch applications really indiscriminately of like just they will they will alter the way they work really flippantly and like there could be an app where they're like oh well i don't use this anymore because it hasn't been updated in three years and i know the iphone 10 will never get an update like that's the kind of stuff where i just maybe i'm just old but like i i can't i can't chance stuff i rely on or i'm going to invest a lot of time in or that's important to me to stuff that like isn't going to work long term which is where the fact that I think, God, I think like OmniFocus Pro is like $80 for the Mac and was like 30 or $50 on iOS. Mm-hmm. But 
OmniFocus 2 came out in like 20, like 2011. And I've, it's, it's run my life, not, not in a bad way, um, for that whole entire time. And sure, there might be some $3 to do list app on the app store that I, God knows if it's ever going to be supported again. And like, I don't know. Has it really, it's, it's really been since 2011. I remember, oh, and, and this is going to show me as being old and also a huge nerd. I remember, like, I think it was Macworld, Macworld 2011, where I went to a uh, Omni Group launch party. For, oh, I, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Like, it, like, in, like, the, the Ken and, like, oh, the whole, um, like, uh, Omni Group team was there showing the new features. I think even Merlin was there showing off some of the cool features of OmniFocus 2. And, like, it's a company that has that much dedication and understands the way people use their software that like that is actually like important to me. Like the same reason why like transmit is software I've used since God, whenever, like whenever OS 10 came out, like like 2002 or something like it's, it's good software that costs, it costs an appropriate amount. And we're living in a world where people think 99 cents is a lot to pay on an app. And I just, I, I always worry that, like software going away and like that thing that you're concerned about, like just the, this, this whole economy is not stable. And that's one of the things where I, I linked you to an episode of a podcast, like, and that's one other interesting thing is that the Omni group is actually doing a podcast where they interview their developers and tell more about their software. And in that podcast episode, they talked about the fact that they've had to kind of to work around the app store limitations. They've actually had to change all of their applications to free applications and work on complicated in-app purchase models that allow people to try out OmniFocus for two weeks so they can actually figure out because like otherwise the whole point like the only option they have is let's reduce the price to five bucks just so that way if people don't like it they're not super pissed like the whole app store economic thing is super complicated and just really just bums me out it, it's amazing that we've gone this long without it being addressed too it it's for like how, years how do trials not exist still yeah like for for years they, there's been so many things on the iphone this is an endless list going all the way back to the original iphone which didn't have apps despite what apple was saying at the time like you knew third-party apps were coming and there's there's been a there's been a huge list of of improvements and features like that over the years where you just you've looked at it and you're like, well, okay, yeah, that'll come in a future version of either the hardware or the software. And with the with the app store, it it feels like we've had that list for a long time. Trials, etc. And just nothing's changed. Like in in well some stuff has like because the thing is like now that the app store is under Phil Schiller's control, like he's done quite a bit in terms of like app store view times like do you remember back when app store like you so a developer submitted an update for an app and it literally took two weeks for it to mm -hmm. be approved yeah or they would get like super vague rejections and then it's just like oh well we're starting over and this weird bug that people have had you're just gonna sit on it for a while <laughs> right like that's gotten better there's some things but like i just don't i don't understand why like i know it's not even that it's customer unfriendly like it's i know why apple is hesitant to support it but to, and it's, and it's also because like the incentives just don't match up for the, for, cause, cause there's multiple parties involved. There's Apple who doesn't care about the developers. Like I, this came up on Stratechery, but I forget who actually said it, but it's like Apple's priorities is number one, Apple, number two, customers, and like number 15 developers. 
like there are different customers involved in the situation and Apple wants whatever is going to make Apple the most money, which, which is their for-profit company. That's cool. Like I, I get that. I'm a, I'm a capitalist, but it's, it's insane to me that like that they have no interest in perpetuating and facilitating a sustainable economy, which trials would help solve because if they want to have that, uh, snarky teen on on the tv saying what's a computer you need to allow professional or more complicated software to exist on iphone and ipad and the way that you do that is by allowing developers to make a decent amount of money on their apps and even though i'm somebody who's more predisposed to pay for software than most other people i like without trials like i'm not unless i know this app is going to be a home run like I'm not going to chance 10 bucks or 20 bucks on something. So trials would solve that, but they don't want to do that because they feel that consumers won't like like a bunch of trialware on their phone or a bunch of apps that are dead after two weeks because they don't work. Like I get why they wouldn't want to, but like that's, they, they have to do this. So I want, I want to uh, tease out it, as you would say that, um, <laughs> straight of the mind, <laughs> uh, quote, um, why, why do you think developers are so low on the priority list? Like I, one, Be, I don't know, one theory Apple's that, looking. well, so one, one question kind of related to that, that I want to get your take on is, do you think that's po- the, possibly the reason for that is because Apple doesn't necessarily feel like people are buying iPhones or Macs with apps in mind? Like in, in other words, do you think people are more drawn to, the hardware and the maybe the operating system overall and that's what drives their purchase decision behind getting uh, an iphone or a mac or do you think people legitimately say i want an iphone because it's got the best apps or i want a mac because it's got the best apps both and i think this is further complicated by the fact that apple views their first party applications as a marketing expense and if there's a theme for this year, it's that a bunch of shit in life is just a marketing expense for corporations, whether it be tax cuts and bonuses and that kind of stuff. Or if it's Apple making like GarageBand and stuff that is very, very full featured and is great and should sell for actual amounts of money, but doesn't because that's a marketing expense for their devices. So there's a certain amount of the fact that they market really versatile and powerful devices to their customers based off of not just nice hardware and a functional operating system that has its problems and we'll get to that later but the first party software that they make is actually a compelling reason to get that too and most of that software is either free or super cheap like i i i know you are later like you embraced apple computers in like 2009 ish that is exactly right yeah so I don't remember if you like ever like uh, like priced out or looked at Apple stuff before then, but like Final Cut Pro used to cost a thousand dollars. I re- I remember that, and now it costs like it costs like basically like they're like we need it not to be free, otherwise Adobe will just say we're going to stop writing Creative Cloud for OS ten. So it's now like ninety nine or one hundred ninety nine dollars. Same thing with Logic, where. Like I know, like I know, it sounds really weird to be arguing that stuff should be more expensive, but like both of those two pro apps, like they're priced artificially low to the point where, like, I'm I'm sure they still make money for Apple, 
even though they're a services company in case you haven't heard um like they're probably running either running a loss or running really close to to like no profit because they're a marketing expense for the company because like that's that's a way to show people look at all the stuff that you can do like the, the the iMac Pro is the premier 4K video editing platform so i think like what you're saying it's like the, the to answer the question it's both and i think apple cares about whatever total whatever complicated equation means people are going to buy the most hardware from them and if that means writing really writing good powerful software that they're going to give away for free or almost free or if they're going to create an app store economy that delivers whatever the average consumer views is being the best value and currently that means creating an app store where 99% of stuff is free or has paid elements that people don't want or aren't willing to pay for. And I think where that becomes problematic is where Apple still you you notice that they don't they don't give two shits about the Mac App Store. It is so hopelessly broken and doesn't have trials either. But when you look at like, you know, the iPad, the next big thing in computing cuz what's a computer, they don't care about trials or any of the types of features that would allow like having developers make a complicated in-app purchase system to allow people to try software so they can have any hopes of giving apple 30 percent of that revenue like that seems like the wrong approach makes makes no sense so like it's tricky man like just because you want sustainable software and people need to be able to rely on sustainable software like not everything can be like the we can't just hope that everything is like apps that are funded by VCs until they run out of money. And that like it, it that they they just hope they they reach scale and they get to like one and a half million users and eventually they try to figure out how to make money. Like the life can't be Evernote. Like Evernote now charges me $7 a month for god knows what cuz that like they can't just charge for software. So I'm eh. This is getting me entering. So like I don't know. It's it's complicated. Yeah, I think that uh, it's kind of took an interesting direction. Yeah, as life sometimes does. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a bad direction, <laughs> like our government. So, uh, yeah, Omni Folks 3, going to be good. Um, Omni Group generally doesn't rush this stuff. So, again, if you want to try out the um, the iOS beta, which is not out yet, but if you want to get on the test flight for that, sign up at their um, omnigroup.com slash blog slash omnifocus3. And I don't know if they're going to do one for the OS 10 version, but it's good. And uh, yeah. Oh, and the one other thing is that they are going to make um, OmniFocus for the web, which is interesting because the whole point of this is for people who use iPhones and Macs, but maybe have to work on a PC for work um, and want to have rudimentary access to their OmniFocus database or their like projects um, through a browser. And that's uh, super interesting. I, a uh, few years ago, could have greatly used that. <laughs> but now, now you work for uh, for uh, a very savvy tech company. You, yes. It's, it's, just, it's just, Mac, you sit on iPads. or you have... That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, actually, I, I, literally, I literally just sit on a, a pile of iPads. That's right. Yeah, like all, all, the, all the, the couches are just made out of 10.9 or 12.9 iPads. It's actually not exactly true. Is I have a you know a, a fancy standing desk, but the the standing desk is, is just propped up by a stack of iPads. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah it's a levitating iPad, uh, iPod Hi-Fi. Uh huh. And they're all they're all twelve point nine inch iPads, just because you know why not? Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> and you guys have hammocks made out of Apple pencils. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very comfortable. Underrated part of the Apple pencil. Jeez. Oh, All right. Um, <laughs> take forever. All right. Do you actually? This is related. Oh, I, I, it's, it's like I planned it this way. Uh, Mark Gurman in Bloomberg had an article about um, Apple's, and I can't tell if this is a controlled leak or not. I don't think it is. Um, about quote how Apple plans to root out bugs, revamp iPhone software, and as usual with Bloomberg's. Um, uh, stories that he has uh usually the headline is is garbage and doesn't actually reflect the the actual article itself but overall it was um the gist of it is that uh having a new version of iOS and macOS every year seems to be slightly untenable so it feels like uh based off of his inside sources that they might start abandoning that just a little bit to get more stable and refined versions of the operating system and you could think about this in a, in a couple of different ways where like um the feature that we were both most excited about i think uh with the release of ios 11 back when uh, it was announced at wwdc was that they had a feature called um was it uh messages in the cloud or iMessage cloud yeah, or something like that uh-huh. I, me- I think it's iMessage in the cloud yeah iMessage match yeah um <laughs> they, they oh, still that's, charge that's, me that's really good they still charge me 25 dollars a year for that but I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a HomePod, so I can't use it. Um. Uh. Yeah. Like they were supposed to like sync up your both. Like they were supposed to merge your um uh, traditional SMS text messages and your iMessages and have them sync uh with uh, iCloud and be delivered to all your devices. And you would think, oh, why do I need that? That already happens. It totally doesn't. You Apple has because of like, and I appreciate that they have security as a priority, but because of their encrypted delivery stuff um iMessage tries its best to deliver incoming iMessages to all devices whenever it sees that they may or may not be online and it just hopes for the best and the problem with that is that uh deletions don't sync so like let's say you just get like a wrong text or like spam or just something you don't want anymore and you delete that thread from your iPhone it's not like for me I have an iPad an iPhone and two Macs I have to delete it in four places. Um, or you get the thing where uh, iMessages uh, get delivered out of order and just weird stuff like that, where there's not like one master list. It's because like for security purposes right now in its current implementation, it gets delivered four different places sometimes. So iMessage in the cloud was supposed to fix that. And uh, that hasn't happened yet. It has returned to the betas of iOS 11.3 so it may arrive six or seven months late. And and I don't want to criticize Apple too much where like, cause I want them to get this right. Cause that is a huge, like screwing this up. And like, cause I have like text history from like almost a decade. Like I, like it'd be annoying if that was all screwed up, but um, yeah, it's stuff like that where like key, and if you think about the HomePod, like key features like AirPlay 2 and a lot of things just, they aren't shipping. Or if it does ship, a lot of things are shipping really buggy um like high sierra like has had a couple of show-stopping embarrassing bugs and why for macs which are obviously in kind of a maintenance mode and we've kind of vaguely covered it last segment where apple does sort of but does not care about it as a product because it's not an iphone like 
it still gets a big flagship operating system releases every year for no good reason. Uh, rather than when they could just maybe keep a version around two years like they used to do in like the Tiger and the Leopard days um, and maybe make more stable software. Who knows? So that's the whole thing that Garmin talks about is that maybe they're just thinking about big schedules that coincide with new uh, flagship product launches are maybe not ideal anymore. Right. And it, I, I actually do think iMessage in the cloud is already an example of this happening where and i there there have been other i was trying to think of specific examples there, there have been more instances where apple has treated um point releases of ios as sort of like a big deal like i know that ios it's 11 11.2 is, is that the or what, what are we beta testing now we're on 11.2.5 is the current stable release. So, so it's 11.3 is the one yeah. that they, they've announced is going to be kind of a, a big release. Like they've, they've done these big point releases before. Um, and I, I think it makes total sense to continue in that direction and eventually get to a place where, I mean, I don't know, maybe for marketing purposes. Like I, I actually am curious how important this would really be, but let's just let's just take it as true that for marketing purposes, it's important to come out with a big new numbered version of iOS every year and a, and a new weirdly named after a California landmark version of macOS. But macOS Irvine, <laughs> yeah. macOS Irvine Spectrum, I think would be better. Mm -hmm. That's um, totally a Jason Stell joke. So no, I know. It's, yeah, I would yeah. totally. It's I would install that no matter how buggy it is. Exactly right. Um, I think it makes a lot more sense to move towards a model where you're just releasing features over the course of the year as opposed to in one big bundle at one time of the year. And it, in addition to having those features maybe be a little fully baked, I actually do think also just from a going back to a marketing perspective, is it could be really smart where you're getting sort of this constant buzz of new features coming out periodically throughout the year. As opposed to again, this one big release one time during the year, I think I think it could be beneficial for for a lot of reasons. Most definitely, and the thing is, and they have they have a secret weapon that they can use to still force is the wrong word, but force adoption, which is there's always new Unicode emoji. So like they can still like people will be like, oh yeah, are you on eleven six? Heck yeah, we we there's a burrito emoji that has no cilantro in it, like stuff like that. Whereas like. When when the Galaxy S8 or whatever the, the the LG V whatever like when that comes out, nobody really is like, oh, does that have Android eight? No, Android users are already used to not having the latest software. So like, it I don't think it has to matter. Like I don't think anybody's gonna see the iPhone eleven and they'd be like, oh hey, they got rid of the notch. Like I don't think they're gonna care that there's not iOS twelve to go along with it. So like I this. It being more fully baked and also sprinkling in new features and just kind of like value adds throughout the way is a sound strategy. And specifically for the Mac, I've been complaining about this for years of just why does it have to be this way? It's a very mature product that they kind of don't care about. So why 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 are you mucking with it? Do you so like out outside the T word circles? Because I mean, undoubtedly the T word circle would lose their minds if iOS versions or macOS versions would last for more than a year. But just outside of that, like, do you, do you think general people would really care or notice? No, I don't, I don't think so either. That's because, why I like, well, and here's, here's the thing where like, I think Apple has burned a lot of Brit, like they've left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. 
and it's not just this battery business, but I think like I talk to a lot of people, like a lot of normal people about technology frequently, like there's a lot of people who just are terrified of software updates because they're like, oh yeah, that was the one that made my phone slow or everything got unreadable or my phone restarts or whatever. Like a lot of people are terrified of software updates. So if they didn't see that, like Apple says, introducing iOS 13 or what, like whatever, some big scary thing, I think a lot of normal people would actually be more comfortable with that. Like people don't like everything being redesigned all the time. Who knows? We can dream specifically with the, like, I, but I think this has to happen for the Mac. Like, I think they, they really need to figure that out. I know iOS because, um, I mean, that's, that's going to be the, the death of the company because sales are slipping so much, but like, that's, that's still currently their biggest moneymaker, but on the Mac, like they can leave it alone. Yep. I'm joking about the, the iPhone thing. Please yeah, don't. I, I, don't. I, I, I know. I, to, to quote Darth, do not at me. The do not at you, no. No, that, that 10,000 email joke was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, so good to have him back. It is. Oh, man. That was a good corgi today, too. I know it's not him, but dog race and him kind of just go neck and neck. Or, have you ever have you ever considered just getting fully back into Twitter, but only under the condition that Darth would be the only one that you would follow? No, just because dog rates is on Instagram. And Darth, like, no. Yeah, but Darth, Darth, Darth is something slightly different than that, though. Well, but here's well, the thing. Very I, uh, but I've that. already said that, like, I would be, Twitter needs to figure some stuff out. And if they just found a way to send me, like, an email digest, like, if it was, like, Next Draft, like, if there was Next Draft, <laughs> and it was, Darth like, just, just here's the last 24 hours of stuff Darth posted, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would Bye bye bye. <laughs> TWTR, like my entire four hundred one k, empty out wealth front. Just, I'm all in. Uh, that might that that might not be worth enough now. Hmm? That, after after the last week, those accounts might not might not cover that expense. It's fine. <laughs> market market correction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like so no, I'm not. I, I do again. I limit myself to like ten minutes of Twitter a day, and the algorithmic timeline thing does surface the the good darth stuff up at the top um and that's good enough for me mm-hmm. all right and then uh still no home pod for you no oh no 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 so i i i really don't want to talk about home pod the, 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 the only just... the only thing i'll say that's really surprising that i've discovered by listening to the this week's upgrade is i mean we've already discussed this numerous times i mean a big reason why we're not into the home pod is because siri is just not very good and i i was totally not aware that the like siri on the home pod is not is not like full siri it's like it's not full siri kit like it it can only it can only basically do like a subset of what siri can do on the phone which like if you're taking something that's already not very good when it's quote unquote fully featured and then you're stripping out a, a bunch of that functionality and then putting it on this other device. I mean, that that sounds awful. Eh, well, so like it's already that way on the Mac. Like if you use Siri on the Mac, yeah, but like, I know I, I I don't use Siri on the Mac. Well, sure, but but for that example, that's that's kind of how that works. Um, it's not that bad. Like it's it's only limited in like I think the one thing you can't do is like that. There are certain like you know how there's like six types of like intents. Like you know how you can do like the the rideshare thing, and occasionally you can have it. You can't even say, "Hey, can you get me navigation directions using Google Maps?" You can't do that, can you? 
I don't think so, no. And you can't say look up Spotify, right? No. Oh, yeah, cuz it, it it doesn't it doesn't hook into music apps, no. <laughs> so it doesn't do anything useful. I mean, right. That really can well, and, and and just like even beyond the 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 Siri kit stuff, just the the way that phone calls interact with HomePod or basically don't interact with HomePod and then the lack of voice recognition so that just anyone can send messages from your phone and and during the setup process apparently like it warns you about that like that i mean that just just, just seems bad yeah but what do you expect like I, I, I again apple's marketing as everybody ever as every apologist will remind you what can i gruber like it's it, it's a it's a speaker first man like I I I am I am struggling with the amount of like I, like I try not to look at like anything Renee Ritchie posts or any of that kind of stuff. Like it's just like it's, it's sure it Apple is trying to pretend it's not, but like otherwise, like you wouldn't have put in Siri. Like you wouldn't have done most of this if you didn't think you thought you had a slightly compelling product. When I guess for whatever reason, Siri enhancements just weren't coming together, and that's why Siri's been kind of stuck in this weird limited usefulness mode since ios 8 anyway yeah and enough 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 home pod oh most definitely um apparently it sounds good though if, if you have a damn well better because if it doesn't then what's it what's it doing uh it has a nice power cord i heard it has a nice power cord it is a lot smaller than i thought it was i, I walked, have you seen walked, one i well, yeah i walked by the apple store and they've got it like right in front and uh it yeah it's 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 really small M- much smaller about probably 40% shorter than I thought it was. Hmm. But, I mean, uh, cool, I guess. I mean, like, I, I guess Jason had sort of a uh, meaningful use case that he was talking through with how there really wasn't room for his Sonos 5 in his living room, but that there were a couple spots where the HomePod would fit. Like, I I guess I see that, but mm, I don't know. seems like and they, I think they literally brought this up in upgrades. It's like similar to how like the iMacs have gotten kind of needlessly thinner. It's just kind of like making making static devices like that that don't really move around much smaller and thinner and lighter is I don't know. It's it's what Apple loves to do, but I, I don't really see the utility of it sometimes. Yeah, an iHome should be good enough for anybody. I'll we'll, we'll we'll end the HomePod stuff on a positive note. Actually, I will say that it is really cool that it has an accelerometer built into it, so it knows when it gets moved and and it has to recalibrate itself, which it does automatically. That that actually seems really really cool. I know Apple doesn't have any humor. Like I like even though Siri is a terribly chatty, not funny AI assistant, it would be cool if like you lifted it up, it said like, "Hey, what are you doing?" <laughs> like if you lifted right. it while plugged in, that would be very very right. fun and amusing. Mm-hmm um <laughs> they could introduce they could in- integrate with uh like a home security system he's like hey put me down right um all right quick amazon stuff because this is running long uh, amazon apparently in select markets is going to start delivering uh groceries from whole foods which seems logical or or seems like a thing that would happen right oh, i gotta figure out a tried and true strategy for how to get past the wall street journal paywall yeah they got rid of the the google loophole right no, if you, I think if you still, you can either, if you can somehow, uh, and this is the thing that TechMeme does, where they try to fake it as though you came from Twitter, which allows you to get the entire article, 
But sometimes if you go to Google News and you search for the article headline, if you do it inside a private browsing window, sometimes it works. Huh. But yeah, so, okay, so I can only read the first, like, 90 words of this article. But um, yeah, that seems interesting. I think uh, it's going to start in Texas, is it? Yeah, it, Austin, Dallas, so like and a markets. few others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which makes sense. I mean, that is, like, it's the logical extension of what they're doing already. Um, well, and I think it, it continues to, to speak to something that, that we've talked about a couple of times with Amazon, where there's this acknowledgement that I think the sweet spot for online vendors is some kind of hybrid between being strictly online, but also offering some type of, I guess, what you would say, offline solution. And I think, I, did, I think that's just tremendously smart. And if they can be the best at both... I bet it's just going to further their already pretty dominant position. Yeah, I'm 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 very interested in, in what happens with Whole Foods specifically as they evolve this type of thing. Um, because I assume like eventually it has to become less Whole Foodsy, or like the the Amazon ties are going to be greater than just having like a bunch of Echoes near the avocados, <laughs> which is which is the way it is at the at the the one in central maroon right does the, i i caught i don't i forget what prompted this but the other day i it just like dawned on me again like yeah amazon owns whole foods that's so weird mm-hmm. it's just it's so weird eh, well, you're the one that thinks they're gonna buy target or you're the one that thinks uh, no, that's, don't, what's don't, space gene no you you think gene exclamation point is right like you you said i think this makes sense i, I do i do i do yeah oh. Hundred percent. So, so how is it weird that they bought Whole Foods? How they they bought a a, a luxury grocery store? No, I guess weird's not the right word, but just like I just, it's can't believe that it's actually happening. I guess. Yeah. But no, I think I think it makes total sense. Um, like it, it's funny how Amazon keeps kind of um moving the goal line again, as as you like to say. Um, going yeah, from <laughs> I know more about sports than that. How dare you? Going from I did not know that Peyton Manning was a terrible person, but I do know that goal their goalposts. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, they went from you know having free shipping, and then it became free two day shipping, then it became free one day shipping in I think more and more areas now. Now we're getting like free same day or free two hour delivery. It's it just that they keep, they just keep making that experience better and faster. And that's, it's, it's going to be one of those things that's going to be really, really hard for anyone else to catch up with now. Mm-hmm. And on that note, uh, apparently Amazon is also doing this new thing where they are partnering. It's kind of like the extension of like the, you know, fulfilled by Amazon thing where in certain markets, and I think it's starting in LA, um, certain third-party merchants can use Amazon's, um, uh, like I forget, I forget, like is it called Amazon Logistics? What's the name of like their in-house um, delivery service? I I think I think that's right. Yeah, so they're going, they're trying to uh, start a service called Shipping with Amazon, where certain retailers can basically, like they're the USPS for other people, and they'll ship for them. Which makes sense. I think it's being misreported in a lot of ways. I think this is like what was what was the other story that was misreported recently, or that we were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Everything, but no, yeah. um, no, there was one specifically. Ah, whatever. Um, 
it'll come to me. But like it, it's not like there's no like Amazon, even though they move a lot of packages and they are trying to wean themselves away from UPS and FedEx in a lot of ways for shipping. Like it, I think it's, it's, um, dishonest to, um, try to act like this is a direct attack on UPS or FedEx. Like which, which is the lead of this Wall Street Journal article. Like it, they have to scale up so much more for this to ever become even a viable competitor or threat to to those companies. Mm, well, I I would I'd push back there though. I mean, this is the, sure they're not going to wipe out UPS and FedEx tomorrow, but over the course of let's say three to seven years, with the amount of resources that app that and not Apple Amazon has with capital and with its people, I I. I'm not so sure that I would completely dismiss that idea. But I don't believe that Amazon is going to be the only name in e-commerce. And that's that's what you're if if you think they're going to take over the world in that way, th- that's what you're saying because as more commerce moves from the physical world or from like brick and mortar to online, as more stuff gets shipped, that means that every per- uh, purchase at jet.com or uh, walmart.com or any of that kind of stuff like that has to get delivered to you and they're not going to use amazon so therefore like i i, I just don't i know everybody thinks that amazon's going to eat the entire the capitalist system but like, i i don't think that's going to happen for a while if at all because as everybody moves online it, like amazon can't like there's not just gonna be one retailer so all right. Um, and then you... Well, do you want to real quickly complain about why you're mad at Comcast? I do. I, I do. Thank you for giving me this platform. So it turns out... So I was not aware of this, and I, I wish I would have just stayed blissfully ignorant because then I wouldn't have become upset about it. But it turns out that uh, Comcast is offering some limited broadcasts uh, in 4k for the winter olympics which are we're currently ongoing i had heard that i think it was direct tv was doing some 4k feeds but i i assumed that comcast would not be but it turns out that they they totally are although it's it's only for a limited number of sports and you have to watch everything on a tape delay even events that are shown live in regular hd which i'm not really clear on why but um and it turns out when I so when I found out that this was the case, I started digging into the details around it. And evidently they offered the same setup during the last Summer Olympics in 2016. And the way that it worked then, and, and this is why I don't think I was aware of it, was they had a Xfinity app that you could run on LG TVs. And you could then stream 4K sort of certain <clears throat> Olympic events in 4K. And that app remained in existence all the way up until the day of the opening ceremonies for the Winter Olympics this year, at which point Comcast made the decision to offer a similar uh, 4K offering that they had done for the Summer Olympics in 2016. But this time, instead of using an app running on LG TVs, which now would be super beneficial to you and me, instead, they're now only having those streams work with an upgraded X1 box that I believe they've somewhat recently started offering. Like, apparently you can't even like order it online. You have to like go into an Xfinity store. You have to call them to get this special X1 box shipped to you that supports 4k. 
Uh, so as TiVo users like you and I are, that means that we do not have access to the to those 4K streams. Um, and, and the thing that I'll say, to be fair to Comcast, is I'm actually always pleasantly surprised at how well my TiVo works with Comcast, meaning, you know, I have access to on-demand, and then I feel like I have a bunch of extra features on the TiVo, like skip mode and all the offline stuff that I would not get with an X1 box. So overall, I'm still, you know, incredibly happy and in some ways surprised that the TiVo works as well as it does. But every once in a while with situations like this, it is frustrating when you're um, locked out of a of a feature that's only available through Comcast's crummy stock box. I know I, I struggle to care about this because I just don't, I don't care about the Olympics. But the one thing I would I will come to Cable Town's defense, which is the thing about it being available on LG's. Like, does does our TV have an app store? Like, what is the? I think it you does. Get apps yeah, on it? it does. So, it being available up until now, like, I mean, was there any content on it? Like, was there like Olympic trials on it? Like, I guess maybe they would have just removed it. Because they're like, oh yeah, we're not. We've changed the way we're encoding it and delivering it. Yeah, this isn't going to work. So we should remove this app before people start getting bummed. All 4K references on Xfinity all are related to the Olympics. So there's, I don't think there's been any other content that they've made available over 4K. No, no. What I'm saying is that that uh, you said the app that ran on LG TVs that was for the 2016 Olympics. Yeah. Like I assume maybe they were like, oh well, we're doing it differently this year, and this app isn't going to work. So let's remove that app before people get bummed that oh, it yeah. doesn't work for this one. Yeah, right, right. So I mean I mean maybe not like I don't, I don't like I don't think they care that much like who has back in 2016 who had an LG TV? <laughs> like yeah, I mean like not, yeah, I no, assume four people used it. Right. So like that I don't think is like evil. Like I don't think that's that offensive. But how many but how many people have these special 4K X1 boxes? the same number of people that care to like i i just nah, i just don't think people care about 4k yet like i think this is like just it's it's kind of like back when hd was new where it's just kind of like do you remember that time like espn had a 3d channel like it was like channel 902 or something like it like they that was a thing for a while i just don't think 4k is a thing for sports for a while like remember like yeah. just, fox sports is 720p still I guess I, I I would be interested to get your take on this too. Like I don't know how much 4K content you've watched on, particularly on the the OLED. Much there there is a difference between 4K and HD. But if you if but if you have an uncompressed 1080p mm-hmm. stream from like a Blu-ray or something, and then you compare that to you know another relatively uncompressed 4K stream, I mean again the 4K picture is noticeably nicer especially if you're pairing that with hdr but it it isn't i guess it isn't dramatically better if you're setting the correct distance from your tv like right no it doesn't matter and the problem no. with that is like is that yeah it is nice if you can get like a, a really nice uncompressed or minimally compressed 1080p video because like that's the thing like with a lot of um uh netflix and amazon prime videos 4k content is like for practicality like it is fairly compressed like it looks nice but it's not like it, it's definitely not um like a like a 50 gig uh blu-ray like master transfer or something like that so during some scenes like you will still see like i mean you know the thing like where it's like if you compress video you start losing a lot of the uh 
color accuracy and like and like the um you get kind of like it's like that gradient pattern on like especially in dark scenes right so like i mean that even happens on 4k like especially with amazon prime video so it's just meh yeah Com- compression's the bigger issue than resolution mm-hmm. like i think 1080p picture would i mean i would be perfectly content in with 1080p olympic footage if it wasn't compressed to hell like it is on comcast yeah we gotta stay under those data caps though <laughs> oh who made the data caps oh yeah okay mm-hmm. oh, all right let me get back to the thing uh do we have anything else eh, in in the hulu yeah whatever well actually this is who who owns hulu well it's a, it's a combination right of a cable town fox Disney. Is there and... one company that holds way more? Oh, actually, this article tells me right here. Oh, Comcast, Fox, Disney each own over 30%, and Time Warner holds 10%. Right. I was trying to see if any one company had like a majority stake or they had a reason for wanting it to fail or win. No, but that that's the whole kind of issue now with the Disney Fox thing is that they they would own a majority and oh. Comcast is not is not um or nbc universal is not is not they're happy not super, about that no they're not very hype about that got it <laughs> no i think young people say that i think so um, yeah yeah uh yeah they're talking about yeezys um so uh, how would that work so like they don't default like hmm, has they can't just oh they can't automatically own 60 percent. like there's no, no there's a, there's a there's a clause that this this yeah. was on this was in the upstream section of upgrade there's there's a there's a clause where the other owners would have to approve a situation where one owner would own more than half and so I, I, my guess is that disney which will well which will be the disney fox combination when that whole thing closes will just basically dissolve itself from hulu because they're going to be focusing on this new disney streaming service mm-hmm. or i assume they can sell off like like 10 percent, 10 percent to redistribute ownership interest across the existing people that are I, left i mean they i mean yeah they 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 could do that but i'm, I'm saying that i think i could just see them just walking away from it entirely hmm. so yeah apparently hulu is uh spending lots of money and yeah like the, in the original content game, it's tough. We talked about Netflix, I think, last episode. It's expensive. It is, and you got you got to compete against Apple. It's this new eight hundred pound gorilla that <laughs> should should be making OS ten work, but they got they got to make amazing stories, whatever that is. I wasn't alive when it came out. Uh, okay, uh, Chef Special, or do you want to tell me about Pod Save America or whatever that is? I don't. I don't really have anything to say about that. I'm not a. I'm not a listener of that show. I don't find video versions of podcasts very interesting. No. Um, no. Yeah. I'm just. There's no. There's really nothing about that that I'm super interested in. Okay. All right. What do you got for me this week? So, well, it's, you're. You're. I. I think I, I have a, a affinity for picking picks that you're. Uh, or not picks. Chef specials that you're <laughs> not going to enjoy. Um. But my mine are the the ongoing Winter Olympics. I actually still really love the Olympics, both summer and winter. I think I actually might like the Winter Olympics a little bit more. Um, I I I don't I don't love the way that the Olympics are presented here with NBC, where they really focus on 
the people stories and some of the like side stories. Like I really just want to see the events and the way that they package the coverage isn't the best. Although it's been a little bit better this time around because of the way the time difference works where uh, five o'clock Pacific time, eight o'clock Eastern is like right in the middle of the day where a bunch of events are happening in South Korea. So they've been able to show a lot of events live, which has been a lot better than like the 2016 Rio Olympics. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I still really, really love, love the Olympics and it's, you know, it's one of those things that only happens every 40 years, obviously for each type. So it's, it's still, it's still a big event and it's one of those few things I think that brings almost everyone together. I know not you, but, um, it's, I, I, I still, I still enjoy them a lot. Have, I have always have, I remember as a kid being super, super excited about the Olympics and, you know, don't, don't get to watch as much of it as obviously I, I used to, but the, the amount that I do, I still really enjoy. So, hmm. so yeah, so good. So good. But I have a question. Like, do you, so when you're watching it, so I don't like, so are you only paying attention to the athleticism? Like, do you care? Do you only like care about the people based off country? Do you like in the, uh, months leading up to the Olympics? Like, do you become aware of people who will be competing? Like, like how, like, how do you, what keeps you interested? Just, just the events themselves. I, I no, I, I don't do a ton of research beforehand. I, I don't really root for specific athletes. I, I more just sort of follow Team USA for the most part. I just, I just think watching the sports is fascinating. I, I, I love the speed skating competitions. The downhill skiing is super interesting. Ice hockey, I enjoy. Um, some of the the snowboarding stuff has been really, really good this year. It's just this, the events themselves, I think, are a ton of fun to watch. And again, as, as someone who's not watching like world championships and, and the events that, that lead up to the Olympics, I, I really do only see these sports every like four years. So that kind of keeps them fresh and unique. I'm going to ask a dumb question, and I promise this is not a joke. Is there such a thing as uphill skiing? <laughs> and, uh, well, I mean, there's cross-country skiing. What is the difference between that and downhill skiing? Well, cross-country skiing is um, a lot of flat and some uphill sections, and it, it's all—it's all—it's basically like the like marathon equivalent of skiing. How do you ski on a flat surface? I mean, you with a lot of upper body strength with your poles. Just literally, just push yourself like you're right. Wow. Yeah, that'd be something to watch. Yeah, you should—you should look it up. It's—it's it's pretty interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Um. Okay. Cool. Yeah, does the U.S. have a good curling team? Because that is legitimately, uh, as an outside observer who doesn't have a lot of interest in this, uh, that seems like the most fun sport. Cur- curling is fantastic. Yes. Um, Do we have a good team though, or is it all about the Canadians? I I think the the Canadian men and women's team, I, I believe, are both favored. Nice. Go Canada. <sighs> Probably from Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a great chef's special this week, but um. There is something if people are looking for something to watch um, on Netflix. There's a new uh, documentary ish, and I, and I put that ish strongly. Series called Dirty Money, which is um, a series of six documentaries uh, that are executive produced, and the first one is narrated and kind of hosted by the guy who did the Enron documentary, smartest guys in the room. Um, 
there i would give them like a solid b like i would i wouldn't say any of it's untrue they definitely every single one has an agenda and it um is told in a slightly more sensationalized way than i would like but bo- all of them deal with um like modern day uh financial crime and like scandal and stuff like that and it's actually it's it's worth watching watch the first one and see how you like it if anybody's looking for something to watch the first one's about the uh volkswagen uh emission scandal after that there are some on like the hsbc money laundering thing there's a whole episode devoted to the financial dealings of and self-dealings of donald j trump um but it's it's pretty all right Put put that in between some pretty, uh, ferns. It's or, what, what's, pretty what's the, all right. Uh, it's it yeah. It's again. It's it's a little bit too sensationalized, but it's still good. Yeah, try out the first one. It's okay. an hour. Okay. Yeah, and it's in four K. Nice. <laughs> Which that I think that hikes up your interest like by a thousand. It, it does. Yes. <sighs> all right. I think that's it. Until next week. <laughs>